Joshua, starting with chapter 13, going all the way to chapters 19. This is about a third of the book of Joshua. covers a lot of material. Uh, but it's all about the division of the land. And uh, a lot of geography, a lot of places and stuff. Uh, but if you recall, uh, in Joshua, the book of Joshua, God was given the land of Canaan to the Israelites. And they were going through and they were taking city after city because God was fighting for them. That was the only way they could possibly take these cities. And they last week, uh, Brother Matt told us how the Gibeonites tricked them and they ended up having to protect them. And uh, however, they made the Gibeonites the, their servants. And this was prophesied a long time ago by Noah. Noah said this was going to happen. Uh, if uh, you remember in, in Genesis chapter 9, uh, this was right after the flood. Noah had three sons. And it was uh, his sons Shem, Japheth, and Ham. Ham was the youngest of his three sons. And he had a son named Canaan. And that's where all the Canaanite peoples came from. Uh, Shem uh, uh, was uh, the oldest and uh, Israel descended from him. And in Genesis chapter 9, it says that Noah was a farmer. And he planted these great big vineyards. And he had a lot of grapes. And he decided to make some wine from these grapes. And he was... Drinking this wine is a man, this is good stuff. And he kept drinking and drinking, and he drank way too much of it, and he got drunk. And he, his youngest son, Ham, walked into his tent and found Noah naked on the floor, drunk, passed out. And instead of honoring his father, he made light of it. And he went out and joking, you know, and he told everybody that, Dad's in there, drunk, passed out, naked in his tent. And he made light of the situation, which was not good. He didn't honor his father. And his other sons, Shem and Jaseph, they honored their father. And they, they took a garment and they put it on their backs. And both of them backed into the tent where Noah was so they wouldn't see his shame. And they dropped the garment on his body to cover him. They honored their father. And the Bible says when Noah woke up and he learned what Ham had done, he cursed Ham. And he said in Genesis 9 and 24, he said, so Noah woke up from his wine and knew what his younger son had done to him. Then he said, cursed be Canaan, the servant of servants, he shall be to his brethren. And he said, blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and may Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge Japheth, and may he dwell in the tents of Shem, and may Canaan be his servant. And so Noah prophesied this, and this is what is happening in the book of Joshua as we're, as we're going through it. And also, we, we remember that in Genesis, later in Genesis chapter 17, after 
God made His covenant with Abraham. He said to Abraham in Genesis 17 and 8, Also I will give you and your descendants after you the land which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan, as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And so the book of Joshua and this section, the division of the land, is God keeping His promise. Because God always keeps His promises. Always. And this is God doing that. And in Joshua chapter 13, Joshua, where we begin, Joshua is, is 80 years old. He's, well, he's over 80 years old. He's like 85 something, 86. And God comes to Joshua and he speaks to him. And he says in Joshua 13 verse 1, You are old, advanced in years. And there remains very much land yet to be possessed. Now, God wanted them to take all of the land of Canaan, drive all the people out. And there was a lot left to do, he said. And God said, I would go before you and I will fight for you, but you need to go take the land. He said, now I want you to divide up the land by lot to the nine and a half tribes. Now, there were nine and a half because they, Moses had already given a lot of the land over on the other side of Jordan to the two and a half other tribes. You see, uh, that Reuben and Gad had all this livestock and they had a bunch of sheep and they looked before they got to Canaan and all this land on the other side of the Jordan had pastures and it would be great for their sheep to graze in. So they had petitioned Moses to give them this land instead. And Moses didn't want to do it. And they talked and they tried and finally they convinced him to give them this land because they said, we will go in anyway and we will fight with our brethren in Canaan. We will fight for their land as well. So that finally convinced him and he gave them, he gave uh, Gad and Reuben and half the tribe of Manasseh uh, land on the other side of the Jordan. And so there were nine and a half tribes left. God said to divide it between them. And so now, uh, 40, 46 years later, this map shows uh, the land. All this, this area in green here, they hadn't taken yet. The area in red was the land that they now had taken, and it was theirs. And about, and, and now here in Joshua, 13, they had met here in Gilgad. It was their base camp of operations. They met there as Noah and Eleazar, the high priest, was uh, dividing up the land as God told them. And they used a lot. They used a lot because uh, that was God deciding the land. And no one could argue that they didn't get the right piece or they wanted the other person's land because God was deciding who got what piece of land. And this is how they divided the land. They, by lot, uh, as we see here, the, the Manasseh and Gad over here and, and, and Reuben, their land on this side of the Jordan, uh, the first lot came to Judah. And he was given the, the southernmost area. And the second lot fell on Simeon. And the Bible says that Judah had so much land, it was more land than he could handle. It was too much for him. So God gave uh, Simeon a, a portion of land right there in the middle of, of Judah's land. And 
the third lot came to Zebulun, and he got this land up here, right up here on, on this little purple place up here. And it may look small, but uh, a lot of these big pieces of land uh, didn't ha- weren't as rich as the smaller pieces. And some of the smaller pieces were worth a lot more. And also it says that, that God gave the, the tribes with the most people bigger pieces of land. He was very fair. And he... He did that. Next, uh, next to Zebulun, that little red spot there is, is Issachar. The lot fell to him, and he was given that that piece of land. And the next lot came to Asher. Asher got all the land up on the northern coast. And the next lot uh, was Nephtali. He got everything uh, beside Asher inland, and. Uh, the Bible says that the, the next lot came to, to the tribe of Dan. And God gave Dan this area right up here on the coast, uh, right next to the Philistines. And Dan had a lot of problem with the Philistines. The Philistines gave him all kinds of problems, the, the, the people of Dan. And eventually the Philistines ended up taking back some of the land that Dan was given and so Dan, uh, the, the people of Dan went up here above the, the Sea of Galilee up here. And they took some of this land up here north and they renamed it Dan. And so they were kind of, their land ended up being kind of divided. God gave Benjamin this, this spot here north of Judah, this strip here. And the next lot uh, came to the other half of Manasseh, which, which got all this land on the other side of their brethren to the right. And then finally Ephraim got the last lot. Now, Manasseh and Ephraim were uh, the children of Joseph. Joseph had so many people. In his tribe, that they split the tribe into his two sons. Manasseh was the firstborn, and Ephraim was the second. Those two born in Egypt to Joseph, and they split in those two tribes. They became their own tribes. And that's how he divided the land. The Levites weren't given any land. The children of Levi were to be the priests and the teachers of the law. The sons of Aaron were the priests and all the other Levites taught the law to the people. God wanted the the people to know His law every day. That was very important. And so He wanted the Levites spread throughout all the land. And so they they had cities all over uh, the the promised land and... uh, uh, Brother Jeremy's going to talk about some of those cities next week that they had, but they weren't given land of their own, just a bunch of cities scattered around. Now, as Joshua was, divi- was dividing up this land, uh, this old man came walking out of the crowd. And Joshua recognized this man as his own oldest living friend. 
the oldest man that he knew, and it was Caleb. And Caleb came up to Joshua, and he said, Do you remember back over 40 years ago when you and me went into the promised land? Moses sent us with the other ten spies to spy out the land. And do you remember how when we came back, you and me alone stood with God? And against all those others that turned the hearts of the people, made them melt when they said there's no possible way we can take this land. But you and me stood with God. Joshua said, I remember. And he said, do you remember what Moses told me that day? He said that I could have any of the land that my foot stepped on when I spied out the land. He promised it to me. Joshua remembered. Caleb came to take what was his. And he could have any of the land that he stepped on. And Caleb Caleb said, Look at me, I am, I have the same strength that I had 40 years ago. God has saved me. He's kept me strong. Do you remember that mountain? You remember that mountain I told you about? All those years ago, it was the mountain of the Anakin. The giants lived there on top of this mountain. You remember the Anakin. And they have fortified cities up there. He said, I want that mountain. He said, give me that mountain. That's what I want. He could have had anything. Why did he ask for this? He could have had the plains, the the easy land, the land that was, he could just go and live there in luxury the rest of his life. Why did he ask for this mountain, this fortified city full of giants? Well, Caleb knew that God was fighting for him. He said, I'm just as strong. He has saved me. He has kept me strong. Maybe this is why I'm here. Maybe this is why God has saved me to take this mountain for Him. To win this for God. And I'm going to do it. So give me the mountain. The Bible says Joshua blessed Caleb and he gave him what he asked for. You know, how often do we Avoid the difficult tasks that God has set before us. Avoid the hard things that God wants us to do because they're difficult. And we go around them. We choose the easy path. I know I'm guilty of that. I'm very guilty of that. Instead, we should say, Lord, give me the mountain. 
Because if the Lord is for us, who can be against us? Too often, I'm afraid, we're, we're less like the, the people of Caleb and more like the children of Joseph. Joshua 17 and verse 16 says, The children of Joseph came and complained to Joshua about the land they were given. They didn't like the land that God had given them. They said, this land has too many trees. There are mountains full of trees. They said, we can't, we can't work this land. We can't do anything with it. There's all these trees. And said, so in addition to all these trees, the valleys that we could use down there, they're full of Canaanites with, with archers and, and chariots of, of iron. It says, we need a different piece of land. We need some more land. You know what Joshua said to him? He said, cut down the trees. They said, we're a great people, they said. We, we, should, we deserve more land. He said, if you're such a great people to cut down the trees, then you can lose, use the land. He said, and you will take out the Canaanites as God commanded. I'm not giving you any more land. The land and the mountains are yours. That's what God's given you. Go take it. You know how often we complain about the gifts of God. God has given us these gifts and we complain about it. We complain about our jobs, about our, our families, our friends. Our, we, complain, we complain about our homes. We complain, we complain when we don't get enough rain. We complain when we get too much rain. Whatever God gives us. We can find a way to complain about it. Just like Ephraim and Manasseh complained about their land. We have no right to ask God for more gifts when we don't use the opportunities He's already given us. Now, they didn't want to take the time and effort to clear out the land. You might have heard this quote some, somewhere. Opportunity is missed by most people because it's dressed in overalls and looks like work. Thomas Edison is attributed to that. You know, the only reason the sons of Joseph, the only reason they hadn't taken the lowlands, the valleys, is because they didn't have faith in God. It wasn't because they had chariots of, of, of iron. It's because they didn't have faith in God to take it. That's why they hadn't taken it. You know, God has no problem dealing with chariots. He had, he had shown them how to do it previously uh, in the section Matt talked about. Joshua 11 and 6, he told them how to deal with the, the, the chariots. But the Lord said to Joshua, don't be afraid because of them. For tomorrow, about this time, I will deliver all of them slain before Israel. You shall hamstring their horses and burn their chariots with fire. So Joshua and all the people of war with him came against them suddenly by the waters of Miriam, and they attacked them, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of Israel. God has no problem dealing with chariots. It was their lack of faith. That's why they hadn't taken this land. Well, eventually, they did take the land, as God commanded them to do, but they left a lot of Canaanites. The Israelites left Canaanites spread throughout the promised land. And... 
they let them keep their high places and their idols, their images that they worshipped. And eventually, those things turned the people of God against their God. And that was a sad thing. And they eventually took out most of those areas that were in green on that map, except for the Philistines. They never took the Philistines. And they were a source of a lot of problems for them. Until finally, many generations later, this young young man named David stood alone against them with a sling and a rock. And when he became king, he drove out the Philistines. And the Canaanites are no more today. So what about you? Are you more like Caleb or more like the children of Joseph? You know, Caleb did climb that mountain. He climbed up. It was like, it was, it was very high and he, he fought the Anakins. He took out those giants because God fought with him. He went before him and he took them down. Caleb did that. And you know, Caleb wasn't even an Israelite by blood. He wasn't. He was a Gentile like you and me. Caleb was one of the slaves in Egypt that they brought out with them when they came. But he had faith in God. He had more faith in God than a lot of the Israelites did. You know, even Moses had a hard time believing in God. Exodus, Exodus chapter 3. God came to Moses in a burning bush and He talked to him. And He told Moses that, I'm going to use you, Moses, to, to, take, out the, to, to take out all my people out of Egypt. Because I've, I've heard their suffering and their prayers. And I'm going to bring them into the land that I promised Abraham, the land of Canaan. I'm going to give it to them. And I'm going to use you, Moses, to do that. You know what Moses said? He said, who am I? Who am I that I could go talk to Pharaoh and do these things? God said, I will be with you, Moses. I'll be with you. Moses said, but they don't know you. Who? They don't know who you are. Who will I say sent me? He said, say the God of Jacob and the God of Isaac sent you. Moses replied, But Lord, what if they don't believe me? And God gave him a sign. And he said, I'll show them miracles. I will show them works where they have to believe. Go tell them. Go. Moses said, God, I'm not eloquent of speech. I don't have the words. God said, who made your mouth, Moses? I'll give you the words. I'll teach you what to say. Go. And finally, Moses just replied, please, Lord, send somebody else. You know, Moses didn't believe God. When God said, I will be with you, 
Moses would reply, I don't believe you, God. Oh, he didn't use those words. Moses wouldn't dare use those words, but that's what he was saying. Saying, I don't believe you, God. I will be with you. Don't believe you. When God said, I will convince them, Moses said, I don't believe you. Don't believe you. When God said, I will give you the words to say, Moses replied, I don't believe you. That's what he was saying. Please send somebody else. What about you? What about you today? You know, the Lord has given us a spiritual kingdom that will endure forever. Jesus gave his life for this kingdom, his church. And this church, God's kingdom that we've been given, is under constant attack every day all around us. Society is trying and trying to convince us that it knows what's right and wrong. We're told that society is right and we're wrong. That they know what's right and we're just wrong. We're at war. We're at war just like they were. It's a spiritual war. The Bible says between hosts of wickedness. And we need to fight. We need to fight in this war. Fight for your children. Fight for the souls of your family. Fight for the souls of your spouse, of your mom and dad. Fight for your, the souls of your brothers and your sisters. Fight for your friends. Fight for the stranger that you meet who needs to hear. Needs to hear how God is a righteous God. He's a perfect judge. And He has appointed a day where He's going to judge this world. And because He is a perfect judge, He won't just dismiss sin. He won't overlook sin. He won't forget when people just disobey His commands. He's a just God. And His wrath is coming. And none of us is good enough to escape the eternal fires of hell. None of us are without the blood of Jesus. Without the blood of Jesus to wash away our sins. That's the only way we'll escape. They need to know I need to obey the gospel. We have to obey the gospel. We have to turn from our sin. We have to live for Jesus. But we say, I'm afraid. I'm afraid to say anything. God says, I will be with you. We say, they won't believe me. They won't believe me. God says, trust me. They say, 
We, we say to God that I am not eloquent of speech. We say, God, I don't have the words. And God says, I've given you the words. Here are the words. The question for you this morning is, do you believe God? Do you believe Him? We're going to sing a song of invitation now. And if any of you have a request for prayers and you need help from the church spiritually, please come forward now. And if you'd like to be baptized for the remission of your sins, if you'd like to obey the gospel, if you haven't done that, it's not too late today. Please come forward now, sit on the front pew as we stand and sing.